Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed, episode 85. I'm Visible by 17, Kyle Gold. And I am not a prime number, Cam Hirosaki. <laughs> Oh, it's been a while since I've flustered you with the introductions. I know, I've been good about it. Usually I like make a special point to not crack before I even say my first word. But the conversation we had about just the episode title before, the, or the episode number before this was still fresh in my mind. Yeah, that was entertaining. Too bad it uh, didn't make it onto tape. But yep. So we're here. This is uh, uh, probably not going to go out before Anthrocon. So, right, right. So, um, we will talk a little bit about uh, what's going to happen at Comic-Con, which okay. you guys will still have time to get to by the time we release this one. At least a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, so, for, we'll have a booth at Comic-Con. Uh, if you were not able to make it out to Anthrocon for the release of Across Thin Ice, um, we're very excited about that. Blotch are good friends of the podcast, and we're excited to see this project come to fruition. Um, we've seen, we'd seen a lot of the early stages. Of course, many people have seen the art. Um, we talked to them a little bit about the story and we're really convinced it's going to be a good story. I just remember hearing them talk about the research they put into it and the oh, yeah. amusing things they just came across while looking into it. Oh yeah. It was, uh, they've done a lot of work and it really shows. We've got, um... So, anyway, I will be down at Comic-Con. They will be there at Comic-Con also. Uh, I'll be down there for a couple of days. Probably not the whole thing. But um, we, are, we are looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun time. Comic-Con appears to be always entertaining and huge and overwhelming. So, that's always good. And then a few weeks after that, we've got Rocky Mountain Furcon. I just recently finished up the book that we're going to put out there. Congratulations. Thank you. It's the it's a compilation of short stories in the world of the League of Canids. So the three stories that have already been published are in it. The one story that I already put up online is in it. Those are Don't Blink, Third Date, Stop the World, and Modern History. And there are also three brand new stories that have never seen the light of day before. Um, but you have seen them, actually. Yes. And although I actually didn't read, I didn't get to read one of them because I was cleaning up my little office yesterday and I found the printout for it. I'm like, oh god, I never read this. Oh, uh-huh. so I need to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. I read the last. Did you get? You need to get my feedback. That's right. Never. Sorry. Yep, yep. Um. So I'm kind of excited about that. It's I, I like exploring relationships and I love superheroes and you know I grew up with superhero comics and even then then got into them again later on when they started being uh, more in-depth and thoughtful things like Watchmen and Kingdom Come and uh, Astro City, stuff like that, uh, where they kind of explore what it means to be a person and a superhero. So I think it'll be cool. It goes well with the Rocky Mountain theme, which is I Need a Hero. And the art is being done by Amon Omega, who's also a friend of the podcast. Yes. He is a if very... Were, if you were at Rainforest last year, didn't we do the thing with his art? 
when Did we, we yeah we had the video oh right 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 he yeah. worked on the the out of position uh music video yeah okay good i'm not crazy no i thought i thought you were leading up to him being there as no, far no, as I know, no no he's no. not been to any of the conventions um but he's cool his work also illustrates my story in heat number eight and he brought that same great cartoony style and he really took to this project he liked it quite a bit um one of the things that I did for it, as I think I might have mentioned already, is uh, I made it much less explicit. It's still got mature situations in that, like, modern history is basically about a blowjob, and there's no way to hide that. Yeah. Um, I sort of toned it down a bit, and Ammon, who had not seen the explicit version, said that he thought the toned-down version still worked well, and they didn't bother him too much. Did you much. actually search and replace and put the word cake in? <laughs> uh, no, I should have done that, but... And uh, Ammon actually did, for that story, um, a picture which is not explicit, but which leaves really no doubt as to what's going on. And I felt a little uncomfortable including the whole picture in the book, so I cropped the bottom a little bit. Um, so what I'm planning to do eventually is I'll, uh, like sometime next year, I'll put together an ebook, mm-hmm. And I'll put together an ebook of the text as printed, which will be sort of the, you know, Standard version. PG-13 yeah. or R, R-rated, I guess. R-rated version. But then I'll also put together a version with the more explicit text. And I might write an extra... There's one, the, the one new story um, has certainly a place where I could put okay. a little bit more explicit stuff. So I might do that and then just release an explicit version with... Um, maybe by that point I could convince Ammon to do maybe one more picture for it. So we'll see. I, I'm trying to... I'm trying to make the works a little more accessible because people, although people do tell me that they enjoy the the sexual aspects of my work and I enjoy writing that part of it, um, people also have said, wow, you know, if your work didn't have that in it, I could recommend it to more people. So, yeah. trying to do something, this, and this may ultimately be a failure because it's too sexual for the mainstream still, even without the explicit stuff, it might be, but then it might be not explicit enough for the people who want it so speaking of which actually we'll see how it goes and i was gonna i, was, I meant to talk to you about this last night but i didn't see you online did you see the latest page of red lantern that ricketts posted yeah yeah it's like like here's like the censored page i'm just like if you hadn't told me this was censored i never would have guessed yeah no I think and i'm just like, like i love how by furry sanders this is the tame and clean version yeah like and someone actually called her on that if you looked at the comments oh yeah they were like uh i don't want to criticize your censoring but it looks like you missed a few bits <laughs> and she was like no no just like partially showing sheets don't don't count as something that needs to be censored in my book and like, given there's a speech bubble in i think the yeah. last panel i think is what she's talking about yeah but i'm just sort of like given how like sensual like the content of the entire page is if a bit of an erect penis in the last panel is like what you really need to find the whole rest of it sexy. Then I feel bad for your imagination. Yeah, that w- it was interesting. Yeah, it actually was. Um, she's. Uh, I've I've been impressed with her ability to put together the story in that one as well as um, get smart and and she's said all along that the the internet version is going to be censored, but. I don't think she'd gotten to a point yet where there was anything to censor. So I think this part coming up is is what she was talking about. Coincidentally, this discussion leads right into all of our uh, yeah, all of our questions. It does and we do have um, example pitches to give for the pitch 
session, which Kit is yeah. putting together later on in the summer, but I think we can maybe do those at the end. Yeah, because we, we have such a good flow talking about sex right now. Exactly. Which, like, we've so, forgotten to talk about for, like, 60 episodes. I know, right? <laughs> so, we've got, uh, we'll do our pitches at the end of the show, so keep listening, and uh, and let's uh, let's get started with our questions. Okay. Am I starting? Sure. Okay. Greeting Sheafers. I've been trying desperately to catch up with the podcast and also to find a good red wine that I enjoy that's not from Australia, but moderately more successful with the former than the latter, though Hirasaki san has given me a list of U.S. vineyards to sample, and I haven't looked for any of those yet. Well, then get on that. But don't worry, me and, me and Kit will help you in a few weeks. However, I am caught up with enough of the podcast to hear your vow to make the show more adult-oriented in episode 70. I am here to help. And once again, we show our reputation for not getting to things in a timely manner 15 episodes later and and also who knows when he listened to episode 70 that's a good point yeah my friend rikoshi and i were talking online a bit ago and we were comparing and contrasting stories that we were familiar with for whatever reason we started talking about Summerhill, which i obviously have never read not sure if rikoshi has uh, he has. He's part of the writing group. We eventually started poking fun at the supposed 3,000-word sex scene in the story. <laughs> the conversation made me curious, and I pulled up one of my longer stories, which has what is most likely my longest intimate scene in any of my work, and I copied the scene into a new document and checked the word count. My longest scene is, in fact, very nearly 10,000 words, which is the dominant scene in a 50,000-word story. I just want to kind of break in here and say, in most current word processing programs you can just select a whole block of text and then do word count and it'll give you the yeah. word count in the selected text you don't have to create a new document i was just thinking the same That's thing all. yeah <laughs> which prompts the question how long is too long is it possible that no matter how well written there's a cap to how long a sex scene should be sex scenes can obviously be as short as he stuck his sex in their sex and they had sex i like how you made that no, gender neutral <laughs> it's gender ambiguous he stuck his sex in their sex shouldn't it be in their sexes Sorry. No, it's singular ambiguous. Yes, clone sex, call foosball, but I was wondering what your opinions on the opposite extreme might be. Also, it seems that 3,000 might be Hirosaki-san's best. How about you, Kyle? How many words is your longest? That's a rather personal question. I have high hopes this email might stir up some length envy. Word length, that is. Wags all around TJ Fulf. Uh, so we, I polled a couple people, um, that is to say one person, because I was talking with Foosball this morning anyway, and he was writing smut online on his live stream. If you've not yet checked it out, um, follow Foosball on Twitter. That's f double z b a l l, And uh, he has been live streaming writing, which is really interesting. I don't know if I could do that. I don't think I could either. But he has found it. My writing process is so boring, I don't know if anyone would want to watch it. Well, he's found that when there are people waiting for him to produce words, he feels like he has more pressure to produce words and he writes more. He told me that he's been live streaming all this week and he said, this week is his highest word count ever for a week. Wow, awesome. So, I asked him because he was online and he said that his longest scene that he could find was uh, in the environs of 2,500 words. Most of his tended to go from a about, I want to say 700 to 1700. Okay. In that kind of 1200 median range. Right. Um, I did not go back through all of my stories. Um, I found, I went back through a couple that I've written recently, and one of them was about 12, 1300. Uh, one was 
2800, but that one involved a lot of dialogue during foreplay. So it wasn't from like yeah. first moment of insertion because the 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 actual sex was like two paragraphs. Yeah. But there was like a ton of foreplay and discussion and touching and whatnot before. And then there's a whole lot of dialogue that happens afterwards while they're tied. So I was counting all of that. I was counting basically from the moment like naked sheath to untied. And that was 2,800 words. But that was, um, that's pretty long for me. Yeah. Unless you count, well, I wonder how long that story I did for Heat 6 was. Oh, the one with the, the that one, phone. Because that one, yeah, that one was, like, oh, the whole story was one blowjob, so. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if I have that. You talk a little bit. I'll see if I can okay. find it. Uh, so, I yeah, I actually it. did some thinking, and, um, you know, and I dug up another story of mine that I had written, which is not online, uh, but actually by the time this episode airs, it will have been released. But uh, I did a count, and again, this starts from, like, beginning of foreplay to the sex is over. Uh, it's about 4,800 words, actually. But to be technical, it is, like, two... Like, sex happens twice. Like, the character has sex with two people, and so he sort of stops in the middle very briefly as, like, things get interrupted, and then he has sex with somebody else. That's not, like, a just a giant three-way scene. It's, like, sex with one person, and then sex with another person while the other person is still in the room. And, again, a lot of that is the whole, like, you know, they start making out and touching each other through their clothes, and I'm including that in there as well. Uh, although there's still a lot of description about the actual, you know, fucking and being fucked and all of that. But, again, that's kind of like a double sex scene, so I'm not sure if that... I mean, it is one. It is all one scene, like, if, from a writing standpoint. But, uh... So, I mean, there's that. Um, if I had to guess how long most of mine are, I'd have to probably say I probably hit in the twelve to 1,500-word range normally. Yeah, that sounds I mean, that's, right. that's just a guess. I haven't done any metrics for it, but that's sort of my impression if i if i if i sit here and think about it yeah i can't um i can't find that store that was in heat i don't think it's on it's on not on this computer but um there was another store that i wrote recently the one the football store that i sold to the non-furry press oh them the uh yeah the sex scene in that one is 1700 so uh ultimately you know it's i kind of feel like if it's going to go beyond about 2000 words there's going to have to be some other stuff happening either like in your case there's kind of a pause and then yeah. you switch configurations or something or <laughs> yes. or it the sex kind of continues while other stuff's going on like there's discussions or talking or you know you could potentially count as there being a lot of foreplay and then you know trying to find a condom and the putting on of the condom and all that stuff. I mean, if you could, you could extend a scene pretty well that way. Safe sex kids. Again, your scene is as long as it needs to be. Yeah. Um, I find the one thing I do want to address here is because he talks about, you know, I have this 10,000 word sex scene in a 50,000 word story. Uh, the story I was just talking about where I had this 48,000 word sex scene. I mean, it's only, it's not even 11,000 word story. 4,800. Whoa, sorry. Yeah, 4,800 words, sorry. Oh, God. Sorry. 
Vodka. No. <laughs> uh, it, the story itself is just under 11,000 words. I would like to see you write a 48,000 word sex scene. No. Before. Oh my God, no. <laughs> like my f- like first two drafts of Summerhill aren't even that long. <laughs> I don't know what I would go on about. Now I'm kind of wondering if I could write one. Oh, don't even try, please. But in <laughs> Chapter that case, one, the first thrust in. But no, like... <laughs> Chapter two, the pull back out. <laughs> <laughs> my, my point is, like... On the chapter heads are just in, out, in, out. <laughs> Stuck. <laughs> squirm, squirm, wriggle. Chapter 18. More lube, please. <laughs> okay, before we degenerate to complete silliness... Too late. Um, yes. I mean, that's something, what, like 45% of the story is sex? Um, I think that if you're writing what is a sex story naturally you're going to have a different ratio than here's my novel and at one point or two points or whatever people have sex right uh you're gonna have different ratios and i think you know honestly as i i was i was playing with writing in uh scrivener which allows you to break down your book into scenes actually not kind of i'll stick with allowed it almost forces you to do it. Mm-hmm. Like you, you separate out each chapter and then you break down the scenes in each chapter and then you write each scene as you go. Um, which gives you a good sort of visibility into how long each scene is. And my scenes generally tend to be between 1,000 and 2,000 words no matter what's going on in them. Yeah, likewise. I had, I had one sort of like the real long plot denouement scene was like 3,000 words. Um, yeah. But generally they would rarely fall under under 1,000, and they would rarely go over 2,000. So most of the times, any scene is in that range. If I'm writing a short story that's very briskly paced, and these tend to be my like first-person narratives that involve taking place over the course of a couple of days, and I'm just hitting like key conversations that the character right. has with certain people, then like I might have scenes that are as short as like, you know, like seven hundred, six hundred words, just really quick and short, or that it's like and here's just like an interlude to explain what's going on between two bigger scenes. Right. I and mean, that'll happen, but again, I'm not gonna have that crop into a larger work. Alright. Well, I think we've talked long enough about yeah. scenes being long enough. Uh, I guess it's my turn. Actually, I have an interesting thing to note, but it would actually make more sense to come after this next email. So, All right. Next email. No greeting. Tsk, tsk. I've been really enjoying the podcast and thought of a question recently after buying a few books for my new Kindle, among them Kyle's Bridges. Thank you. I've only listened to maybe a quarter of the episode so far, but I didn't hear this question asked or read it in any of the episode details, though I could have missed it. What's the difference between pornography and erotica? Is there a technical detail to the difference, or is it merely semantics? How does this affect selling ebooks online through distributors like Amazon that prohibit pornography but allow erotica? Are there certain well-defined lines that can't be crossed in the writing of a story before it's considered porn and not erotica? What are the legal details of calling it one thing or another? Exactly how much detail could you put into a blowjob scene, for example? I ask because personally I make little distinction between the two. If it gives me a boner, it gives me a boner, you know? Daneth Tiger. This is a tricky question to answer because like I said, it, a lot of it is largely semantics and it's very subjective, but again, you point out that Amazon allows erotica and prohibits pornography. I'm not. And I think Amazon prohibiting yeah. pornography mo- ma- mainly applies to pornographic images. Yeah, I mean... It, because there's no... Yeah. I mean, 
there's no body that governs this. There's not a group of people who reads all your stuff to make sure there's not too much sex in it. Yeah, and honestly, if you were to ask people in the mainstream about like what constitutes pornography, I don't think most people would say that a written story without pictures could be pornography. Yeah. I think the act of write, writing a story about it makes it erotica. Because yeah. I've I've read stories in, you know, years best erotica or best gay erotica or whatever that were essentially pornography. Yeah. Like I was a, you know, I was serving on a navy boat and I took the overnight shift because there weren't many guys there and there was one guy who had always seemed to kind of like me and we ended up on the overnight shift together and he was wearing only his raincoat and there was a terrible storm and yeah, so we fucked up on the gun mount pretty much. <laughs> I um, said mount. Yes. So Honestly, I can't think of any case that I've heard where a written story without images has been called pornography. Comics get called pornography a lot. Yeah, that's true. But you always have images. There's always images yeah. associated with it. Um, and books, I should say, books have been called pornography, but not officially. They're not more legally like, defined as pornography. Right. It's more like Oh, because I hear people accuse you of writing pornography all the time. Oh, yeah. And it kind and of, people and it, called Lolita pornography, yeah. too, so... Not that I'm on a par with Nabokov, but no, know. but no, but it, it, it stands to reason that some people can call Lolita pornography, and some people can call it like classical, classic literature, not classical. Classical right. and classic are two very different things, right? But that's another Give it a few hundred years; it'll be classical. Yeah, literature. exactly. Oh, more than that. But anyhow, um, I don't know. Yeah. Shakespeare's only four hundred years old. He's classical. I always thought classical referred to like Greek and Roman, like the classics. Like, classical. Anyhow, <laughs> speaking of semantics, uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, I, was, I was talking to this with, with Blender just the other day about how I realized that I actually get, like, really offended and upset when people, like, say that I write porn. And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> like, not in my mind, I don't. And I got to thinking about this, and again, this sort of fits into the whole thing we're talking about the way we write scenes now and i've i'm noticing and yes i still will write scenes that are very heavily with the sex descriptions the story i was talking about just now about look i have a 4800 word sex scene which is really actually very graphic and when i reread it a couple of weeks ago for the first time in like a year and a half i was like wow this is actually kind of hot um <laughs> I actually think you should write more sex, but you've been I've, you've been you've been preoccupied with time dogs. So. Yeah, but I mean, but even when I do, like I said, like, and this has come up on the podcast a lot. When I sit down to write a sex story, very rarely do I end up with a sex story, right? And which is actually what our next question is about. Yeah, so. and like what I end up doing is I what I what I produce and what I sort of seem to have a tendency to write nowadays, and what I feel like I'm most interested in writing is. Not so much stories that I expect people to, like, read while jerking off to it, so much as stories that put sexy ideas in people's heads. I will wager that you get somebody commenting when Summerhill comes out that they fap to it. Um, you know what? That... <laughs> you know what? I, I, I feel weird enough, like, when people tell me that they did that to stories that are about people just having sex. Like, and actually, that was the other thing I was talking to Blender about. Like, people like, oh, my God, like, I came so hard, and I'm just sort of like, you're welcome? Like, I don't know, like, what am I supposed yeah, to say I don't, to I, I, I don't know what the response to that is either. I I don't look at the counter on Yifstar at all. I'm yeah. sorry, so furry. I yeah, I turned that. mine off. 
Uh, I don't turn it off. Uh, I think if people want to put it up there, then I figure if great, people, if people want to but, favorite my story or if they want to leave a comment telling me what they thought, that's fine. See, I kind of uh, view this as a, a, a like a lightning rod so uh-huh. that they don't have to leave a comment saying, I came. <laughs> They could just click the button, and then they don't have to write it, and I don't have to read it or look at it. So. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. I guess, like, I just don't. Because if you don't have the button enabled, they're going to write a comment being like, I wanted to tell you how much I came from this story, but you turned off the cum counter. Well, you know what? If their orgasm was that special and memorable, then they'll take the effort. And you know what? Maybe we'll both appreciate it a lot more in the end for it. Um, but, yeah, okay, so... Like, actually, I was talking to somebody who had an advanced copy of. of what Heat. was the question? It was about what the oh, porn versus erotic. Yeah, we're not talking about that. No, anymore. no, we are because <laughs> one of my friends who had had an advanced copy of Heat because of contributions made. So I was like, oh, I was like, I've read your story, and I was like, oh yeah, and they're like, yeah, like that was not what I expected, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, and like I said, I'm like, it's not one of these like you're gonna read this and jerk off stories, and like. I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing, and I don't think that makes it less erotic. No, and I think, I mean, that's kind of going back to the the superhero book. I mean, I didn't write the stories, I didn't include sex in the stories to be hot. I included sex in stories because I was interested in how superheroes, with their different abilities and all, cope with the biological mechanisms of having sex and how that affects their relationships. And which was, you know, uh, I don't remember. What if happens I, if I put your dick in my mouth? I, I, I don't remember. I particularly credited Larry Nevin, but he wrote an essay called "Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex" about oh, yes. how Very Superman famous. would, about how many different ways Superman would kill Lois Lane if they ever actually did have sex. Um, and the only that was way he that could was bag chicks with a kryptonite condom. That, that was, would kill them. That was what inspired <laughs> yes. Third Date. <laughs> Even though I took out most of the. I think I still left the condom part in. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting because the, the superheroes that I, I was rereading Don't Blink and a couple of the heroes that I've mentioned that I did not write stories about um, may come in the next batch of stories, which will be less focused on sex and stuff because they're like, you know, Crypto Fox, the super nerd, clearly his superpower affects him having sex by making him completely uninterested in it. <laughs> So there's not too much to write about there, and then <laughs> ah, arousing genital contact. This would be satisfactory. <laughs> oh God, Foos was showing me these Star Trek: The Next Generation parody. Oh God, clips. Those are hilarious. Um, which are apparently by the guy who does MS Paint Adventures. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, because he uses. Uh, there's one. Did you see the one where? Data is showing Picard the furry porn on the... No? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and one of the images is the same as the image that's on the wall in one of the kids' rooms in Homestuck. Oh, okay. This is, this is much later on. He actually has, like, three furries in that game now. Oh, okay. Which is, which is really entertaining. MSPaintAdventures.com. Um, free plug. But, uh... But uh, um, who was the other one? Oh, um, Power Coyote, the the one with the super obsessive compulsive disorder mm-hmm. who can do telekinetic stuff. Again, I, I'm he's telekinetic, so I'm sure that makes for some interest in sexual stuff. But he's also OCD, so I can't imagine him ever 
making it all the way through a session with another person. But maybe that's a story. And then uh, Gloss, Gloss is the Arctic fox vixen who uh, has cold powers, and she's apparently a big tramp. Um, but we've only heard that referred to, so I might have to do a story about her at some point, too. Anyway, I don't remember the point of all that. Oh, just that the sex was not for like right. fetishy purposes. It was because it was to focus on the aspects of the relationships. Because, you know, how we handle sex is at the core of the relationships. So, I don't know. I agree. Are we done talking now? <laughs> no. Um, well, I mean, I think that we've sort of covered um Okay. But, I mean, for as, like, how is this going to affect you distributing things? If you just have text, it won't. Yeah. I mean, nobody's going to go, there's... There's there's too much tongue in this blowjob scene. Change that. Like yeah. don't you don't need to worry about that. They would have to read your book first. Yeah, and, and they won't. No, they won't <laughs> ever. Uh, you want me to take the last one? Uh, yeah, because I, I had the long the email. The first one so. was long. Yeah, this is a quickie. Dear Messrs. Gold and Hirosaki, I have on occasion tried to write a simple fap story. Nothing substantial, just a simple scene or two of characters doing something hot for the reader to get off on. But whenever I try to do this, I seem to get sidetracked into including stuff that distracts from it being a purely fap story, such as plot and character development. Do you have anything to suggest in this regard? Cheers, not tube. Oh, I mean Storm Kitty. Oh, Storm Kitty is my straight clone from another dimension, apparently, because he ah. has the exact same problem I do. Yeah, and uh, not tube was talking to me about this also. That his... Um, yeah. His porny story became all sort of character-driven. Which he just finished. Yep. Congrats. Cheers to him. He got fan art. Clink. I haven't gotten fan art in a while, I just noticed. Aw. I think the last person Somebody who did me fan art was, fan art last person did me fan art was Blender, and he took it down. Aw. <laughs> Damn you, Blender. No, um, Get on it, artists out there. Draw yeah. some fan art for Cam. <laughs> I don't know if anyone wants to write Draw fan, fan art, art of, his, of, of his heat story. Use all deep blue and violets and shadows and weeping. <laughs> Tears make for the sweetest lube. I'll do no. you fan art. I'll just take a picture of a cemetery. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the kid is shaking his head in vehement disapproval. Um, <laughs> Not vehement. More uh, like, answer the damn question, yeah. people. Honestly, this to me comes down to the matter of, like, what is the story that you're going to tell? Stories surprise us in all sorts of ways. Like, you sit down thinking you're going to write something, and it turns out to be completely different. I think this is just an extension of that. Yeah. We're like, oh, like here's the sexy idea that you have. And I think that it's natural to want to, like, y- your brain is going to try to find ways to make it interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, like, just these characters fucked, like, it's... It's not, like, that by itself, like, we, we, we've all read that story. We've all hopefully gotten over that story by the time we were, like, 16. Um, or or 17. Yeah. Or 18, when or, we're allowed to rent whenever. movies. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, I, I, I assume by the time you're 16, you at least have, like, three solid years of jerking off under your belt that, like, you've started to develop more elaborate fantasies, even in your own head. Um, Remember that some of us did not grow up with the internet. I didn't grow up with the internet either. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I, a I few didn't... of us did not have readily available porn at our fingertips. <laughs> Neither did I. These days do. No, I didn't either. But my point is, is that even when you're a teenager, you're coming up with scenarios in your head uh-huh. that are more than 
just like you need the you need the story behind it to make it interesting. Like regardless, Actually, my my teenager porn was Piers Anthony. So, kids <laughs> 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 <get> nod knowingly. <laughs> Here's Anthony, actually, uh, just sort of quick diversion to people who claim that fur- furry fiction is too adult. Um, in a story collection not marked adult or for mature readers, Piers Anthony had a uh, story called, I believe, Minnie's Crew, which, if you run it all together, uh, tells you more about the content of the book, in which the, the, or the story, sorry, in which the entire story was this group of, like, really tiny people, like brownies. And one particular woman called Minnie who gets a human off. Just like it's a sex story between a normal-sized human and a brownie and the fact that she can fit him. And I'm like, this was right in the middle of an anthology of science fiction and fantasy stories. And all right then, you go, Piers. <laughs> so Kit, Kit tells us about uh, Piers Anthony, uh, real briefly in case the mics didn't pick that up, um... Uh, Kit says Piers Anthony had one book, which I did not, I don't believe I remembered reading, uh, about a guy who could transform, transport into other bodies or send his consciousness into other bodies. And basically, he goes around to alien worlds and has alien sex for the whole book. Katy Perry has a Do you remember the title of that? that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's looking it up for the show notes. Uh, I do not remember the, the name of the anthology, sadly, that that story, that Piers Anthony story was in. But I'm sure it's easily enough Googled. Yeah, Google Minnie's crew, M-I-N-N-I-E, apostrophe S. Um, oh, so yeah. I, I was going to suggest, the other, the other thing you can do is, you don't necessarily have to continue the same story. You can write the sex scene and put hints in there to the nature of the characters, and kind of leave it, leave people hanging, and then say, well, these are interesting characters, I'm going to write a story about them that isn't just all about sex. And sort of, so you've got your sex story for the, just, yeah. you know, getting off. And then that might conflict you a little less if you separate it out. And you can always include sex yeah. in a larger and story. Isn't but that you, basically what you did with your Jason and Trey stuff? Um, Kind of, sort kinda, of. But they never really got their own story. They never got a big one. Uh, well, no, but I mean, like, you basically had their, here's their first story where, hey, you meet and you have sex, and it's hot. And you have sex, and you have sex, and you have sex. I think there were four different ways. Did I ever tell you the origin of that one? You Why? did. I don't yeah. know if we, if you want to talk about it on the show or not. Uh, I'll save it for another time. Okay. People can ask me. But um, but they were just a fun couple, so they kind of recur. But I used them for, hey, it would be funny to write this story about this happening to a couple who has sex. Yeah. And I just bring them in so that all we ever see of them is, is having sex. Even the cameo they have in uh, Snow Days... Mm-hmm. Basically, they go off and have public sex in the forest somewhere. They they have sex in the woods a lot, don't they? Uh, <laughs> more than once, at least more than yeah, more than yeah. once. And the the one I just released is another one that has lots of sex but no actual sex in it. Yeah. Uh, Kit is making us guess 20. how many how many Xanth books Pierce Anthony has written. I'm gonna say um, like twenty eight. I'm gonna I'm gonna say twenty five. Wow. No, he is still writing them at number thirty-six. What's the once a year book comes out? What's the title? Luck of the draw. Luck of the draw. Wow, he's not even trying anymore. Yeah, that's not even a pun. That's just a turn of phrase. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's a pun related to something or another. Yeah, it's like a magical Pictionary game or something. But <laughs> um, 
man, I started when did I when did I start reading them? Um, the fourth or fifth had just come out. Wow, well, yeah. I know, because I know I read them for a few years, and then I stopped when the tenth one came out. You're like, so when you're at, like, your 36th book in a series, it really just must be, like, and Piers Anthony needs a paycheck. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whatever. You know, honestly, given how popular those books are, if uh, if I could make money, I, and I'm sure, I'm sure it doesn't take him more than a couple months to write one of those. Um. And I'm I'm basing that not on necessarily on the complexity of the books, but on how prolific I know he is as an author. Because back before he was writing Xanth, he wrote like I don't know if you remember all those other books that he'd written, but he wrote the Split Infinity series, which are actually really cool and still one of my favorite fantasy trilogies. Um, Bio of a Space Tyrant. He wrote the Thousand Star books. He wrote um, the Incarnations of Immortality books. Right. Um, he wrote a, a bunch of other stuff, and he was putting out like just tons of books he's been writing forever and i think he's just gotten to the point where he's like my job is to write xanth books and i'm sure he's doing some other stuff on the side that he's interested in and he's just like i'll turn out his anth book because why not (laughs) because it is expected but uh actually to build off of what you were saying just now about how here's like jason and trey and they're sort of your here are my characters for when i need to write about something you know like happening to you know folks that sort of have a pre-established thing. Uh, that's actually, actually, by the time this episode goes up, this story is actually probably going to be online. I'm trying to finish my first draft of it before Anthrocon, and it's not a terribly long story, so I'm sure the editing will go quickly. But I'm trying to, you know, reintroduce the concept of having, like, you know, recurring flagship characters that belong to an author that people can sort of follow. Mm-hmm. This is my story. I'm bringing, I'm bringing back Gareth for this story, which I mentioned on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Because everyone loved Gareth. Everyone did love Gareth. Yeah. And he's only in like one quick scene, but it's just sort of like, you know, his, I guess it's a testament that he's he very can really write slutty coyotes. <laughs> I, the, the, the big long sex scene that I wrote about was about a slutty coyote too. Uh-huh. I, I remember remember our, our unfurled interview where we were talking about how like nobody but us really writes about coyotes very much. Yeah, yeah. Why is that, I wonder? Why are we know. the only people who know the coyotes are sexy? Uh, actually, is uh, the the one thing that I was talking about having written recently is a coyote. That's oh, there my, you go. My uh, story, which will be unveiled probably sometime this fall, I'm going to try... I'm going to try doing one of those serial things where people get to vote on not necessarily what happens next, but I think I'm going to generalize it and make it which character to follow next. Ooh. Um, Interesting. And, like, the way some people have done it online is they'll have PayPal links for each of the voting options. And then whichever one gets the highest total by a certain time period is the winner. And you could vote with, like, a dollar. Yeah. So it's not that big a deal. That's kind of cool. So I think I'm going to try that as sort of another... I would legally need to claim that as earnings, but yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's my job now, so I'm yeah. trying to I'm trying to find ways that aren't, <laughs> you know, too, like, gold-digging, money-grubbing. Yeah. Sort of. No, but I mean, that, that works. I mean, like, a dollar to enjoy a story? Come on. Yeah. You, you pay... That's like a third of a cup of coffee. Come on, people. Right. And if you don't feel strongly about it, you don't have to vote. Yeah. Some people do. So... I figure I'll I'll make like you know five dollars a section on it. <laughs> so hey, you fine. know what? If enough people care, 
There you go. Because I was thinking, because I made a thing the other day about if I did a story auction, how yeah. that would go. But I, I uh, How was the response to that? I didn't get a lot of responses, but people said that it seemed like a good idea. Actually, most people said, oh, I probably wouldn't be able to afford to win. And I'm like, I don't think you really quite appreciate the fact that you would not be bidding against that many people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I've I've kicked around that idea, too. But um, the the nice thing about doing something like this where it would be just sort of by segments and then people could vote is, you know, at, at the end of it, it's, I have more creative freedom with the story. And at the end of it, it's my story to do something with. Right. Um, uh, doing a commission story. The problem is that takes up a chunk of time. Yeah. And then it ends up being a story that I don't necessarily have the rights to do anything further with. So, yeah. and you have to work on it. And, yeah. And you yeah. have the, the obligation to work on it. So, yeah, you know, it's, I've I've kind of avoided going down that road. If um, if somebody came to me with a an offer, I couldn't refuse. <laughs> but uh, so far, nobody. How has. many How many digits is in that number? I wonder. Well, I mean, figure it would. I, I calculate it out by how long it would take me to write the story. If it was a eh. If it was a short story, <laughs> and I could do it in a week, then you would have to pay me to not work on anything else in the week. Yeah. If it was a longer story that would take me a month then you'd yeah. have to pay me to not work pay, on anything else pay for my a month. month's expenses yeah yeah like exactly. a real job exactly speaking of which i don't think i told the podcast that i do have a real job again now because we had mentioned a year after the fact that i was unemployed I, I won't tell you what i'm doing but i am working again and it's working out very well awesome and we're very happy yes um so speaking of being writers yes we have examples of pitches that we wrote which um as far as i know kit has not cast his eyes over yet so um perhaps uh perhaps if he if he's going to listen in we can uh get a little bit more feedback from him i know he wasn't planning on talking on this episode but maybe if once we're done he can kind of say do things like this do things a little less like that don't (laughs) do what kyle did but under any circumstances kid is frowning now (laughs) do not put the word do not put the word cock in your pitch (laughs) unless it's a story about a rooster like the Book of the Dun Cow. Or Brockadoodle. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want me to go first since I have two, or do you want to do yours and then I'll do mine? You know what? Why don't you do one of yours and I'll do mine and then you can do your other one? Okay. Um, that so, way we can hear your dusky dulcets broken out. Ooh. So I did... Um, do I did your a Laura Bacali voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my first pitch in that in the, in that voice. <laughs> Um, you don't actually have to. <laughs> the I did a pitch for Out of Position, and then I did a pitch for the first book of the Collations trilogy. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to do my Out of Position pitch first. This is a novel in five parts. The story of Dev and Lee, a tiger and a fox coping with their growing feelings for each other. Dev, the tiger, is a football player in college when they meet. Lee, the fox, is a gay activist in drag, trying to trap a jock into a gay experience. The first two parts of the novel detail Dev coming to grips with his gay experience. The third and fourth delve into Lee's past and reveal some of his own problems. In the last, largest part, Dev faces a challenge from one of Lee's former friends who threatens to expose the pair's relationship to the media. Dev has to decide what is most important to him and choose his course of action. Out of Position is written in a very close, first-person style, spending a lot of time in the heads of the main characters. The focus is on Dev's search for his identity and what his love for Lee means to him as a person, 
Lee's conflict at being in a closeted romance after all his time spent advancing gay rights is also explored. I'm not sure if I should specify that the book contains adult scenes of sex, but... Adult scenes of an adult nature. (laughs) Adult scenes of an adult sexual nature between two sexual consenting adults having sex. (laughs) (laughs) Having sex with their sexes. (laughs) He put his sex in their sex. Maybe it's like a hive mind and it only has one sex. Uh, so I actually I just to do a little bit of a quick caveat here I I, I framed mine as a very fandom specific sort of pitch because okay. I think that's what a lot of people will be interested in so okay. it's it, it's only a little different and I think you'll I think you'll see what I mean but uh, so here's mine this is this is my pitch for Summerhill uh, so uh, Summerhill is a science fiction adventure story it's not a strictly furry novel in the sense that a lot of fandom creative works are uh, but there are definite strong furry elements to it and I think it's something that the furry reader base uh, would very much enjoy and appreciate uh, the story revolves around Summerhill who is an unusual anthropomorphic dog creature who escapes from this surreal prison with no memory of who he is and his, own, his, his only clue is to find a woman named Catherine when he finds her, though, it turns out that she herself is a wanted criminal, and the two of them end up on the run together, sort of unwittingly and unexpectedly forced into helping each other out in their respective journeys. Uh, it's a story with a whimsical premise, but it isn't silly. Uh, the characters travel to a number of different worlds, each with their own supporting cast and unique scenery, uh, some more grounded in reality and others much more surreal and fantastical. Uh, it is also a time travel story, but the narrative itself is still linear, uh, and there isn't any gimmick that's involved around trying to keep track of the story flow. Uh, overall, it's around 90,000 words, uh, fairly briskly paced, and uh, you know, it's full of a lot of uh, you know, unique and different ideas that I don't think have really been seen explored in fandom-created furry fiction so far. Cool. Um and then my second pitch is for the first novel of the Calatians trilogy, which is called The Tower and the Fox. This is the first novel in a trilogy that takes place in an alternate 1815 in Massachusetts at the Prince George's College of Sorcery. One of the most striking differences in this world is the presence of a small population of animal people called Calatians, created 400 years ago by magic. Their magical nature makes them useful to sorcerers as reservoirs of power, Under the sorcerer's protection, Collations have created small communities in many cities across Mother England and the colonies. The Tower and the Fox begins with a mysterious attack on the college, leaving only its oldest building, the White Tower, intact. All the students are killed, leaving the college so desperate to recruit new ones that they enroll Kip and Copy, a fox and otter, as the first Collations to enter the college as students, as well as Emily, the first woman admitted to the college. They are surrounded by other mysteries— a book that only Kip can remember, the White Tower itself, which seems to be responsible for surges of magical power, a strange apprentice who lives in the orchard, the only non-master to survive the attacks, and the mystery of how the White Tower survived when the other buildings around it fell. In the first book, the three friends must overcome bullies and prejudice to prove that they deserve to remain at the college and study magic. In the rest of the trilogy, they will unravel many of the mysteries, ending with a trip to London and the largest Collation community to discover more about the place of Collations and themselves in the world. The books are written in a moderately paced adventure style with elements of Harry Potter and Stephen King. So, Kit, any comments on... Nope? 
Okay. He's shaking his white whiskery muscle. No. He says. Um, okay. He, he says he will. He will add some notes um, when we do get the episode posted for the benefit of the listeners. Um, so overall, I mean, that's what we're, that's what we're looking for with pitches. Just describe your project. Yeah. Describe not just the story, but how it's written. Um, uh, I liked your thing of who it would appeal to. Oh, thank you. Um, and, you know, make it short. Yeah, don't don't over-explain it. I think that... Right. Yeah. Don't I, start I, I almost think I didn't go into enough detail after hearing what you went into, but... Right. Well, the thing, with, the thing with the second book is, in order to understand why it's important that the main character is a fox, you have to kind of explain at least a little yeah. bit of the background of the world and what the that whole structure is. So getting that down to like two sentences is difficult. Yeah. But also my main character has amnesia. So explaining the deal with him is kind of a giant spoiler. (laughs) Right. Right. But anyway, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what we're going to get. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. I know we have a lot of really creative people who listen to the show. Yeah. And we should, uh, we should tweet to say, make sure you listen to episode 85. Yes. Before listen, but when it comes out, skip. If, if you're 20 episodes behind, skip it and listen to this one so that you don't miss out. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of sex talk in episode 85. So. <laughs> Do you want to hear us talk about blowjobs and topping and bottoming for like an hour? <laughs> episode 85. Ah, <laughs> oh, but I think we're at that point now. Yeah. So we're gonna wrap it up. Um. Please write into the podcast at unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com. Is that where you want them to send the pitches also? Okay. Uh, they're sending MP3 files there. Yes. So, Kit's, Kit's going to post how to mail in your pitches. Yeah. There, um, there's, and I'm sure you can recommend audio programs to use if you don't have them already. But, yep. Send in other questions to that. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter or LiveJournal or Fur Affinity, I am... Kyle Gold, K-Y-E-L-L Gold on Twitter and LiveJournal and just Kyle on Fur Affinity. And I am Cam Hirasaki on all three of those. And uh, thank you for your questions, as always. We appreciate your contributions and enjoyed having the discussions. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of good uh, email discussion this week. I think that yeah. the, the email discussion flow was very natural this week. Yeah, I think it was good. We went back. I went back to trying to have a, a themed show because we hadn't had adult questions in a while, and we had a few of them kicking around. Um, it was something that was fresh in my mind just based on what I had been talking about lately, so it was good. Yeah. So I'd already pre-thought it. I pre-gamed this episode accidentally. <laughs> awesome. Take care, everyone. Good night, and keep writing.